What an amazing day to be in God's presence. What an amazing day to be in God's house. And you may say, oh, Zach, we're not in God's house. We're not at church. I want to remind you, biblically, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, there God's kingdom is as well. And so we are God's people. And I know that I feel so honored and I feel so grateful to be with you now. Maybe you're new to Faith Promise, but if you've been coming for a little while, I, I was just preparing for this message. And I wondered, because I was getting so excited writing it, and I was just wondering if whenever I walk up, if any of you guys ever wonder about me or dad or whoever is teaching, like, guys, this guy's, this guy's obviously awfully excited, right, uh, to, to, be, to be at church, to be talking to us. Well, maybe it's the anticipation factor. Um, I believe so much in God and I believe so much in you and we take time to pray for you. I pray for you every day and when our time together finally arrives, I'm just excited to see what God is going to do. And so, hey, I'm gonna pray for us. Babe, do we have some people putting there where they're from, where they're worshiping with us? Tell us about where, where some people are from. We got all the people. Where's some Everybody's people? on here. Well, we have all of our campuses on here. Farragut. We have some Bristol people. Some Bristol out there. Out there. Go. Good morning. Bristol from Peter. We got North Knox. I saw Karen on there. Clinton. Nice. Uh, we've got all of our Faith Promise family. Awesome. Together. Awesome. We're excited that you are with us. I'm going to pray for us. And again, we're going to be using those comments and coming back to them and using them to pray and to focus. But hey, would you just take a second, and I'm gonna pray, but would you take some, just a moment and put in the comments three things that you're grateful for? What are three things that God has put in your life that you are grateful for? I know for me, I am first, first and foremost grateful for my relationship with God and my calling. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my family, um, and not just biological, but my family. I'm so grateful. And lastly, I've been really grateful for uh, the, the blessings of safety in this last season, right? I mean, it's, it's, been, a wild, it's been a wild week, right, in, in Tennessee. And so I, those are three things I'm grateful. Put the things you're grateful for in there, and let's just be encouraged together. God, we come before you right now in gratitude. We come before you right now in anticipation. And God, uh, you say where three or more gather or two more gather, you are also. And so right now, God, you're here with us. God, I know that there's, I got, I got text messages, there's kids who've invited their friends over uh, to go to church. God, there's students who are together with their groups. There's couples, God, and I, lives are gonna be changed today. And we're so grateful for that. People will be saved, people will be set free, and we will all be put on mission in a way that's more powerful than ever before. So in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, hey, again, welcome to church. We are thrilled uh, that you're with us right now live across the state of Tennessee. God behind bars, we are thrilled that you are with us as well. This weekend is going to have an eternal impact in our lives, not just in our a little over an hour together, but it's going to have an impact on the world as we are sent out to win the world around us. Now, we started this year out by holding the lies that we've believed in contempt and throwing them out of our lives and out of our hearts. Now, before we keep on going again, I'm praying that we'll get real and vulnerable, transparent in the comments. If you have a lie that you're throwing out of your life, if you have something that the enemy has been just getting you with for maybe for decades or maybe for months, if you have a lie that you're throwing out of your life right now, will you put it in the comments? Maybe people need to hear it. Maybe people need to 
to, to realize, oh, dang, I have that lie in my life. I need to get rid of that. Will you just, let's participate. Let's put those things in there. And we're actually going to pray over them here in a few minutes. But what lies are you kicking out of your life? But we haven't just been stopping at calling out the lies. We have been replacing those lies with God's truth and declarations over our lives. The power that comes with God's truth, I'm telling you, it will. Not it might, it will transform you spiritually, relationally, physically, mentally. It is transformative. So I just, I couldn't encourage you more. Let, let's, let's talk about those lies and then let's replace them with God's truth. I want to encourage you, um, if you've missed any of the messages leading up to today, uh, the last two, to go back and check those out in your time with God this week. Just play those, and God is going to impact you around your love for Him and your love for people. Now, we've been saying something uh, since the New Year's Eve service we had to get together, but today I needed to, I needed to gavel down louder and more true than ever. Now, I got to be careful with this. I, I've been warned very sternly that this will be confiscated. I was trying to join in worship with it, but apparently the noises I make are not joyful noises to the Lord, okay? I don't think they, these guys get to decide that, but either way, okay? Um, so, but here's the truth that I just, I just want this to gavel down into our life, that we are going to act our way into feeling, not wait for a feeling to act. Let me say it one more time. We are not going, we are going to act our way into feeling and filling our world with God's presence. We are not going to wait for a feeling to act. That's not who we are. Listen, maybe you know that truth well, uh, or, or maybe today you will have that revelation. You know, there's a correct order of operations. Maybe some of you guys remember this from math. Get the comment fingers ready, right? Uh, the, the order of operations in math. Please excuse my dear aunt. Sally, right, right, we, we, we know that. Now, I'm not sure if it's still that way or not. Last time I was trying to help Jail with her math, they, they changed it. And I, I, don't, I don't know who thinks that they just get to change math, okay? But they did it. And I was really having a hard time just gathering the math that I learned, much less the, the, the new magical math. Either way, different, different sermon. I wasn't great with the mathematical order of operations, but I do see in the world, there's two different orders of operation. There's a order of operation that the world has, and then there's an order of operation that God's word has. See, the order of operation for the world says that, that we, the world says that feel and then act accordingly. You feel a certain way and then you act that way. Maybe you feel confused. Used. And I know what comes to mind right now is, is a lot of the transgender stuff we hear a lot about. But hey, maybe you wake up and you feel sad, so you're depressed. Maybe you wake up and you feel anxious, so you're anxious. You wake up and you feel lonely, so you're alone. But that's the world's order of operation that, hey, I feel this way, and so I act accordingly. But hey, listen, think about this. The order of operation for God's word is the word of God says obey and trust accordingly. And there's not one area of our life that it doesn't impact. Just going through those. If you feel confused, it has truth and guidance. If you feel depressed, it has peace and it has relationship. If you feel anxious, it has purpose and it has direction. If you, if you, feel, if you, if you feel anything, listen, God's, God, God's word will meet you right where you are. 
and it has a truth for you to obey and walk in accordingly. And I know this level of trust and faith and this way of thinking for a lot of people may be new. Maybe you weren't taught that growing up, but that's okay. You can walk in it now. That's also why we're taking some action steps together as a church. Right now we have prayer gatherings that we do online so that more of us can, can gather together. If, if, you're, if you've been joining on those, tell them the comments. People need to come and be a part of that on Mondays at 1230, Thursdays at 830. We gather together, we pray, we're seeing God move. Uh, but not just that, uh, we're also fasting together. This is our last week of fasting together for breakthrough. But let me just pause here for a second. Were, were there some people putting some lies in there they had believed? Yeah, so we had a lot of people talking about, hey, I'm, I'm not enough. I can't overcome sin, failure. But you know, I saw a lot consistently of people questioning the positions that God place them in for this season. So, hey, I'm not, I'm not a good mom. Mm. I can't lead my family. I'm not a good coach for my middle school boys. You know, these are all, these are things that people are sharing that, hey, I'm, I'm not enough. And I know that, that God has set you apart for such a season as, and of your own ability, you're absolutely right. We can't do things on our own. We're not enough. But God sent the Holy Spirit to be in you. And Jesus left. He said, I have to go because I'm sending you a helper and the greatest helper in all of existence is the Holy Spirit. So we can receive the truth today. We can, we can get rid of these lies that I can't do it. My past prevents me from serving. I'm unwanted. God can never love a broken ex-convict. These are lies from hell. And we can receive the truth that the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to me as a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Yeah. So can we just pray really quick? Mm -hmm. Let's just pray right now. If you would, put your hands in front of you. And we're just going to ask the Lord for a fresh filling right now. Holy Spirit, we know that you are real, that you're present right now where we are, that you aren't bound by walls, but you created us to be temples, to be full of who you are, God. So right now we say, Holy Spirit, I want all that you are. I want all that you have for me. And I receive truth from your word that, God, you've chosen me. For such a time as this, I'm not a mistake, and you've set me apart for a holy work, a purposed work. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, you have a purpose from God. And so, hey, continue to be vulnerable in those comments. We're going to pray together and over each other. And hey, if you see in the comment a lie that you used to struggle with, jump on it. Pray with them. Let's let, put a prayer in there. Let, let's be more the church today, more interactive today than we ever can when we're in our, in our gatherings in, in one room together. Come on, let's make it even better than it usually is. Now, as we continue to take ground this year from the enemy, we are going to keep pressing into the lies that he's told us. Now, the last two weeks, we've talked specifically about the lies that held us back from loving God most and from loving people the way that God has called us to. Jesus told us to love people as he loved us. It's so we're drawing those out of our lives and filling them with God's truth and his direction. Now, this week is big. We, this week is massive. And we have some big lies. Obviously, you guys have already been vulnerable and transparent. There's some big lies the enemy is throwing your way because there's big plans for your life. And so, and I just want to tell you quickly before we keep on going, just, I, I want to tell you this because 
I want you to know there's more freedom for you. I've been doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting with Faith Promise for a long time. And this year, I just want you to know something I'm feeling in my life. As, as we're praying and fasting and as I'm filling these lies with these declarations of God's truth, I am being able to, I'm being able to see the lies of the enemy sooner than I ever have. So even before they're like well-formulated thoughts from the enemy, uh, I, I'm feeling them as feelings, right? And I'm grabbing the truth instead of feeling, oh, I'm tired today, or gosh, I don't know if I can accomplish that, or oh, I'm not, whatever it might be, I'm feeling that at, at, a, at a level where I'm like, oh no, I, I, I've got to course correct and believe the truth right now. I've got to get into these actions, whether it's the prayer gathering or my quiet time or whatever it might be. No matter where you are, there is more freedom for you. So please keep on pressing in. Now, we've confronted lies about loving God and lies about loving people. Now we are going to confront the lies specifically about your God-given purpose. And you can see that you can see they're already bubbling up in the lies that you have, that the enemy has told you because one of the main lies that we believe is that we do not have a God-given purpose. But that is a lie from the enemy. Listen, can I just say this authoritatively in your life? That lie has to go. It's holding you back from all God has for you. You have a God-given purpose. Listen, the word of God testifies. This is one of my favorite verses to use to combat the lies of the enemy. This is one of the first verses I memorized to pray over people. It is Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. If you're a parent, if you're somebody who wants to lead people spiritually, you have to, have to, have to memorize this verse. Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus, not an accident, not a baby, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Now listen, before we talk about it, that's the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Come on, put it in the comments. That is the truth. Now we can we could spend all of our time together just reading that over and over again. There's so much truth to that. But you may think, well, pastor, I, 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 don't, I don't have a, a purpose. You don't know what I've done. God might have had a purpose for me, but I've blown it. I've messed it up. My purpose has passed. And I, we're, we're up here with some of our family, and, and they, they could tell you. I, I know some people up here, if, if disqualification was on the table, we would all be disqualified. For real? So, so listen, that, that's not how it works. But just to drive this home so it's not my opinion or our opinion, the guy that wrote Ephesians 2.10, his name was Paul. And listen, before he got his purpose from the Lord, he was persecuting and killing Christians. That's what's his job. That was life for Paul. And actually, he got direct orders on his purpose from God while on the way to potentially kill, but definitely persecute more Christians. He's on his way to do that. And Jesus stops and says, no, this is my purpose from you or my purpose for you. So anyone who feels disqualified from your God-given purpose, you've done something wrong. Have you been persecuting and murdering Christians? Because listen, if not, and even if you had, that does not disqualify you 
scripturally, testimonially from your God-given purpose. Listen, if, if what Paul went through, if that doesn't sentence him to a life without purpose, then it doesn't us either. God can pardon anything that we've actually, God has pardoned anything that we have done and he will still put you on your purpose if we will obey. No matter your path, your past or present, God has your, uh, God has purpose for you and he is the true judge and he has spoken. Not you, not your feelings, but God through his word has spoken. Listen, purpose is not something you earn, but it's something you receive as a son or a daughter. When my, when my kids mess up, when they blow it, it's actually, they're, they're not any less my kids. Actually, I want to draw them closer to help them see that I have something better for them. I have something different for them. Now, we only have about a million things we'd like to talk to you about when it comes to your purpose. Because remember, at Faith Promise, your purpose is our passion. And so we really focused and thought and prayed about how we would really focus this down. And, uh, but, but when we talk about your purpose, remember whenever I became the senior pastor, what we said, we would always be ruined. We would always be committed to two things. People who do not know Jesus people who are far from God and they need Jesus. And second are Christians who are heading towards eternity with nothing to show for their salvation. Christians who are heading to stand before Jesus and they've been saved and they have a purpose, but they've done nothing with it. That's a heartbreaking for us. And we, we orient everything we do around going after that. So let's focus. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? purpose. Now, I believe this is a question that Christians are eager to know, that we want to have more clarity on. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on two uh, points of purpose, uh, but two main ones, because we've talked about them the last two weeks. And that is that the first two points of purpose are that you are to love God and to love people with all of yourself with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. We've talked about that. That's the first really foundation of your purpose. But today we're gonna to talk about how it goes outward, how we keep on going. But if you've missed either of those messages, go back and check them out. But let me just cut right to it. Your purpose is to build Jesus's church. Let me say it again, and maybe you don't believe me yet, but listen, just lean in. Your purpose is to build Jesus's church. And that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Let me bring two points of clarity around lies that I believe the enemy is going to bring up as we say our purpose is to build Jesus's church. The first one is this, that, and, and I, I should have written this better in the notes, but it's your, it's like, it's my job. It's the pastor's job or the staff's job to build Jesus's church. We'll talk about that. And the second one is that it's self-serving uh, to faith promise to say that all of our purpose is to build Jesus' church. Well, we're going to talk about both those things. Let's look at the first lie that it's the church's job. It's the pastor's job to build the church. It won't take long, but when establishing the church, whenever the church is being formed and set up, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He says this, 
he, talking about God, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, and those are church leadership roles. So he gave those church leadership roles, why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So two things I want us to make sure that we don't miss. First, church leadership roles are for the express purpose to equip the saints, you, to do the work of the ministry, which is to build up the body of Christ. The reason God gave those roles is for that purpose. Listen, if the church staff is going to do all the ministry, the number one, we're being disobedient to God's plan. And listen, the second thing, the reason he made this plan this way is so that we can win the world to Jesus. Jesus told the disciples, go into all the world. He said, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we're waiting on me to do it, we're blowing it. The only thing that scales to winning the world is equipping the saints, which is you. That's why our vision as a church we exist to win the world by equipping Christ followers, you, to win your world, starting with 1% of Tennessee. Listen, this truth has to gavel down the lies that it is the pastor's job to build Jesus's church. And you may think, well, Zach, gosh, you'd be better at it. You'd be better at sharing the gospel or discipling this person. Look, can I just be honest? No, I would not be better to disciple your kid than you. I would not be better to share the gospel with your neighbor than you. The Holy Spirit gave you those kids. The Holy Spirit gave you those neighbors. The Holy Spirit gave you students, those classmates, for you to do what he has set in front of you. Now, just before we move on, I just want to reiterate. There's too much work to be done. Too much work to be done for it to be the pastor's job. And actually, I would love for you to put in the comments, what is something that you know that God's called you to do? You as a saint, is there somebody he's called you to witness to? Is there somebody he's called you to serve? What has he called you to do as a saint? Maybe you're doing it, maybe you need to do it. But would you be bold and put it in the comments? And just just a reminder before we go to the second lie, your purpose is to build Jesus's church. Your purpose is to build Jesus's church. That second lie we say we were gonna hit is that it's self-serving to say that all of our purpose is to build up Jesus' church. It's selfish to to faith promise. And listen, I I say this with humility and kindness, but if you believe it's self-serving for me to say that your purpose is to build Jesus' church, then your understanding of Jesus' church is either too small or it's incomplete. And I don't say that mean, let's, let's talk about it. Let, let me help you understand what God means by his church. The Bible has so much to say about Jesus' church. It was super hard to try to narrow it down because it's such a big concept. And I want to encourage you to study it further. But let's start here where Paul describes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Jesus' part in his church. And this is in Ephesians verses, or chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And it says that God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him head over everything for the church, which is, again, we see it again, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So there's a lot in that passage, but what's that passage say? Number one, it says that everything is under the power of Jesus, everything. Number two, 
It says that Jesus is the head of the church, not me, not your campus pastor, not, but it is Jesus that's the head of his church. And three is the church is Jesus's body while here on earth. It's not a location. It's not a building. It's not an idea. It's Jesus's physical body. Oh, Zach, man, the, the church has gotten selfish, political, mean, judgmental, clicky. No, 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 no. People have gotten selfish, political, mean, clicky, and so much more. And we will be held accountable for that when we stand before Jesus as to how we represented his body. Remember, the church is not our body. It's Jesus's body. And we will be held accountable for the part that we played. Yes, we all have a part to play in Jesus's body. Let's look at how that's described. And it's described really well in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. But I can't read all of either one. So there's just some passages for you to study. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Let me read a few verses out of, out of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, just as the body... Though one has many parts, so all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Even so the body is not made up of just one part, but of many. So Jesus' body is made up of many parts. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'd rather be a hand. Uh, I do not belong to the body. That's not how it works. It would not for that reason be stop being part of the body. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. It's Jesus leading his church. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it, as it is, there are many parts, but just one body. Listen, when it comes to the church, that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Can I ask you, how are you living out your purpose of building Jesus's church? What's that look like in your life? Listen, if you're wanting to honor God and do what Jesus told us to do, which is to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we do this. We represent this to the world by building and being Jesus's church. Now remember what Jesus said about his church. I'm going to do my best to, to, to do this without standing up and because this, this, this verse just, this just gets me hot. This is like a pregame speech for me. It just, it just gets, maybe it's all the dramas I was in growing up. I don't know what it is, but I love this passage. In Matthew 16, verses 17 through 19, Jesus is talking and he says, and, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, that's massive. First of all, Jesus said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use people. I'm, I'm going to build my church through people, and hell will not overcome it. I think that most of us don't even grab the grasp the magnitude of that promise. But listen, listen to the rest of the promise. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Come on. 
Think about the power, the authority, the purpose that Jesus has given us, the most powerful entity on the planet, and he lets us be a part of being it and building it and representing his kingdom. It's huge. We do that through the church, through his body. And just to go back to some of the lies that we believed, Peter was imperfect. God, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus while Jesus was still alive under uh, Jesus getting, um, he, he's on trial and Peter's denying him. Listen, Jesus promised that the gates of hell wouldn't overcome his church. But I mean, can we be honest? Does it feel like hell is prevailing in some areas in your life or maybe in some areas of our church? Actually, can we just, let, let, let's do this. We're going to come back and, and pray over them. What are some areas either in your life or in our world? Do not start attacking anything or anybody. What are some ways that it seems like hell is prevailing? And we're going to intercede and pray for those here in a few minutes. Put those in there. What are some ways in your life, in families around you, in the world, you see where it looks like hell is prevailing? Is the reason it seems like hell is prevailing is because we've made Jesus' plan, Jesus' church, Jesus' body, an afterthought in our lives. What would happen if we made Jesus' church our priority, our true divine purpose from Jesus, our priority? Could it really work? Could it really work? Could we really see cultural change? Could we really see revival? Could we really see people healed? Could we really see our students see revival in middle schools and high schools and the divorce rates plummet and anxiety and suicide rate dive? Yes. Listen, and it's shocking how few of us it will take to actually believe what God says. You know, it only takes a radical 3% to see cultural change. Do you know when the civil rights movement, we just celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Day, when, when, whenever, uh, when the civil rights movement was rolling, do you know that there was only 3% of America that believed that that should pass? But I'm so glad there was a radical three that said, they're just like, we're, we're the same. We're together, we're sons and daughters of God. Hey, do you know? That right now, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of confusion and turmoil around, around gender and around uh, relationships and how it was designed. Do you know that the, the part of America, the society, Rachel was telling me, it, last time I looked at the statistics, it was 3%, but just 7% of our society would, would kind of walk outside of God's traditional design, biblical design for marriage and for relationships. And hey, listen, and can I just be clear before somebody tries to demonize me or us? If, if you're in a relationship that's outside of God's outline, it's still your job to build the church too. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. This is what God has called us to do. He'll take care of the rest. Your purpose, no matter where you find yourself, if you're a believer, is to build the church. What if we were the radical 3%? What if we were the people who believed so radically that we could see cultural change? 
Because we can. We have seen it. The Bible is a whole story of God choosing people and then being obedient. We can be the radical people to see revival. Now, church, it's, it's time for us to rise up in the power of God in us. So let me ask you this. What promise do you need to make about your purpose of building Jesus' church? And maybe you know that, and I want to ask you to put it in the comments. But before I give you some options of promises that you can make today, did people put some things in there around, uh, around places they see that hell prevailing? Yes. What were some of those things? You know, some of the people were putting in, hey, my marriage. Mm. I'm seeing hell prevail in my marriage, the innocence of my children. Mm. It seems like my lost friends and family. Um, you know, I look around and it seems like, hey, dirty language and anger is what's celebrated. And, and so my words and the things I'm hearing and seeing, it seems like hell is prevailing. Yeah. But you know what's really crazy is people were sharing the purposes, the things that they know that God had called them. You know, you told us to share in the comments the things that God has called us to do. And you moms and dads are saying, hey, I'm called to disciple my kids. Tons and tons of people are saying, I'm supposed to share my faith with my coworkers. We had a five-year-old, Jill's daughter, or Jill's um, kid, their five-year-old, said, hey, I'm supposed to be sharing God with my friends. So if you have a kid in your living room right now, hey, what is it that God has called you to do to build the church? Hey, is it to grow in my love for God and tell my friends about it? There are all kinds of ways that we can be growing Jesus's church and the things that it seems like hell has victory in that it is not in the three percent hey we could be the radical three yeah. percent yeah so let's take some time right now to, to pray for our church family we if you're on the comments you see some places that people are saying hey it feels like hell is prevailing right here in my home or in schools or whatever. Can we just take some time? And, and if you're not on the comments, you didn't see it, would you just ask the Holy Spirit or maybe you have something in your life? Where's a place that it seems like hell is prevailing? And let's pray for God's power to rise up through his church and to meet that challenge head on. Let's pray together right now. Come on, let's pray. God, we come before you right now. We just pray. We pray that. Uh, there's not one place that's not marked by your power. God, we need healing. God, we need unity. God, we need your clarity. God, pray for our schools. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our homes. God, please, Lord, God, we ask you to move. Pray for your people. God, right now, we just come before you in the powerful name of Jesus. The powerful, powerful name of Jesus. God, and we speak the blood of Jesus over, over our schools and over our marriages and over our classrooms, God, and over our workplaces, uh, over our political environment, over, over our communities, God, over division. God, we pray right now for, we pray for clarity. We pray, pray for power, God. You would move in a way that only you can. Please. Father God, please, 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 God, you promised the gates of hell will not prevail. And so we claim that promise. We receive it and we're going to walk in it. We're not just going to walk in it and believe it. We're going to be it. God, you called us to be and to build the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, hey, let me give you three options for promises that you can make. Promises that you can make uh, to build Jesus' church. The first thing is promise to be the church 24-7. Promise to be the church 24-7. Let me ask you, do you talk to your kids at home the same way you talk to them in the lobby at church? 
Do you talk to your spouse the same way at home that you do at church? Do you, do you talk, do you tell the same jokes around your friends? Listen, we are to be the church, not in a building, but 24 seven. What's that mean? That means we prioritize honoring God, no matter what we're doing all the time. That means we're inviting people to join us, not just to at the church building, but in a relationship with God to be the church. That means we're discipling people that we see people first, promise to be the church 24 seven. And then next, hey, promise to gather with the body weekly. The reason that we gather together is to have this pure focused form of the body of Christ and be inspired to go out. It's our prayer and desire that more people are saved Monday through Saturday than they are on Sunday. But we gather together to celebrate those things, to pray for each other, to be filled up and to be sent out. Don't let sports or work or other priorities push out your your commitment to gather weekly with the body. Don't teach your kids that church is something we go to when it fits everything else in our schedule. Hebrews chapter 10 says that we are to not neglect meeting together like some are in the habit of doing. Promise to be the church 24-7. Promise to gather with the body weekly as long as it's, as it's in your power to do so. And the last one, promise to play your part in the body. You are a part of the body. And listen, th- th- there's, not, there's, not really any or- there's not really any organizations that they wake up every day focused on one thing, the gospel. Focused on people who are far from God. But that's what the church does. That's what we wake up for. That's what we plan for. That's what we think about. That's what we sacrifice for. That's what we build budgets and ministry around. So can I encourage you to play your part? What's that look like? Serving. Have you gone to next steps? What's that look like? Tithing. Do you give generously so we can continue to plant campuses and churches and reach the world for Jesus? Promise to be the church 24-7. Promise to gather with the body weekly and promise to play your part. We'll have next steps next week. Come and join us for that. Hey, I'm gonna pray for us. And 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 I'm gonna pray that we would just we would just make these promises a priority. That we would be all and let's pray together. God, I come before you right now. And God, we have so many things. We're so distracted. We have our phones, we have our sports, and we have our families, we have our friends, we have all these things, but none should be more important than you and building your church. So God, right now we ask for a supernatural focus. God, we ask for clarity. We ask that you would, that you would make our purpose for you so strong that we would just be, we would be driven to it, driven to it. The church is in desperate need of the church to raise up in power and not let the gates of hell, hell prevail against it. God, please. Name we pray, amen.